Welcome back to the Redneck Tech Podcast. This is going to be episode number 37, and today I am joined by Jim Youngblood from the 8th and Time Crew in Nashville. I uh, met Jim actually in the 8th and Time Crew through this podcast, believe it or not. And Jim is here at the house today going through some editing stuff with me. I'm trying to help him improve on his editing, you know, help pace, help, you know, picking music, how to get it out of segments, how to, what it, you know, what setup shots are, what establishing shots are essentially the workflow of editing and kind of my process to try and help him really understand it. I guess he heard my last podcast about my aha moment when I was editing with Chance and um, he wanted to sit down and kind of watch my process and see if it would click for him like it clicked for me. You'll find out in just a few minutes whether or not it did. So um, here's Jim. Right here, right here, right here. You want it? Yeah. Dude. Alright, what's up? Just living the life, yeah. having a good day. Living the life, so enjoying the time down here. What do you here. think about what do you think about Delonica? Down here. So I always think about <laughs> up here when somebody talks to me, but it's actually down here for you. So you're from Nashville. It is, yep. Yeah, I live in Franklin, Tennessee, just about ten, fifteen minutes south of Nashville. Okay. What do you so, do? What do you do in Nashville or in Franklin? Yeah. So uh, my day job, I am a realtor with DeSelms Real Estate. We do uh, residential, commercial, real estate, uh, land development, investment properties, uh, you name it. How long have you been doing that? I have been in the real estate industry for three years. Three years. So you're still kind of new to that too, I guess, in terms of a career path. Yep, absolutely. So do you you enjoy real estate? Very much so. Very, Very much, much so. so. What's, yeah. your, what's your favorite part of real estate? The people I get to work with. The people you get to work with. See, yeah. that, now that makes a huge difference because I've worked with some awesome people and I've worked with some not so awesome people. And now I don't work with anybody. So I don't know. Now I have to deal with myself. But that that is a freaking deal breaker a lot of times is who you're working with. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, my uh, my mentor and, and boss in real estate, um, he hunts on our farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, good family friend, church friend. And like I said, we've been hunting together for several years. And uh, when I made the transition, it was a no-brainer. Uh, wanted to go work with, you know, Kenny Stevens and the DeSelms team. And it's been wonderful. Well, so what did you do before real estate? Uh, before real estate, I uh, worked as a flight paramedic and, and nurse. I couldn't do that job. Could not do that job. Yeah. Because you see too many things in my, and I've just, I have the fear. Because, you know, I've talked about a long time ago, you know, the fireman thing, the policeman thing, the military thing, the, you know, the first responder thing. I just, I have the image in my mind that the person I'm going to go get or help is going to be somebody that I'm really close to. And I don't know if I could deal with, I don't know how well I deal with that. I haven't, knock on wood, I haven't had to do that in my life yet. And I don't know how I'd handle that. It's, it's tough. Yeah. Um, you know, I worked in the EMS emergency medicine field for a little over 10 years and, you know, worked, worked all the way up through the ranks, started as an EMT, paramedic, critical care paramedic, flight paramedic, nurse. Um, and you just, essentially you had, you'd had enough of that and that was, it was time to get out of that field. Yep. Yeah. I, uh, I knew that it, you know, I, I was encroaching on burnout, you know, things yeah. were, you know, emotionally 
starting to bother me that used to not bother yeah. me that I could just struggle through. Well, at least you're smart enough to know, you know, absolutely. Oh, so are you, you're, you're, you don't regret it. You're happy that you got out when you did. Very happy. Well, good. Well, that's... I mean, it was a, it was an awesome job. I miss flying every day, you know, uh, had a great team and worked with some of the smartest emergency medicine, critical care clinicians. What, and what, what hospital was it for? Uh, it was at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. In Nashville. So it's big hospital. Yep. Very big. Uh, it, educational institution okay how did you get into i, I said in the intro about you're with the eight to time guys which i met through the podcast y'all reached out to me i think it was on instagram or something about an episode you listened to i don't even remember which one it was now so tell me about that whole crew and kind of those guys and y'all's whole story yeah crazy crazy story uh definitely goes to show you how uh how small of a world we mm -hmm. live in absolutely so, um, it started in September of 2017, last year, my brother-in-law, Justin Hill, uh, and I were taking a road trip out to Southwest Montana. We, uh, were going out for our inaugural elk hunt mm -hmm. and, Got um, one of those. yeah, it was, uh, it was amazing. And on our drive, like 20 something hour drive out to Montana, short drive, just yep. across the hill. <laughs> yeah. A, uh, a friend of Justin's named Grant Burnett was driving back from his first elk hunt in New Mexico. And, uh, Grant was successful. He, he killed a bird, killed a really nice bull elk at like six steps. Mm. And, uh, it was a six by six. And so as we were driving out and Grant was driving back, you know, we were, calling and talking to each other every few hours. He was giving us tips. We were asking him questions. And, um, you know, it was obvious that, you know, we all had similar interests. And aside from Grant um, having interest in hunting, uh, my brother-in-law, Justin, we'll take a step back. Grant and Justin knew each other from high school. They mm -hmm. graduated high school together. They also graduated high school with another guy named Austin Pellegrino. Um, That's a mouthful, Pellegrino. <laughs> he's a good one. And uh, my brother-in-law, Justin, was in Fort Hood, Texas for a couple of years building a hospital. He's a project engineer and was building a hospital and for the Army. And while he was out there, he found out that Austin Pellegrino, who was in the Army at that time, was out there on deployment. And so they started hanging out. And uh, Justin had permission from one of his friends to uh, to hunt a big private ranch, huge ranch out there. And so he started taking Austin with him, uh, dove hunting, rabbit hunting, fishing, you know, you name it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, Justin kind of sparked the interest of hunting and the outdoors mm -hmm. into Austin when they were in Texas together. And then when they all came back and we were going to Montana and Grant was coming back from New Mexico. Um, just kind of a perfect storm, just happened. kind of a perfect storm happened. And Grant had all grants our founder of eighth and time. He, uh, he had always had this image of an outdoor company, not knowing what it would look like. Uh, Justin, Justin Hill, my brother-in-law and I have always dreamed of being in the outdoor industry, having our own company. And uh, just like you said, Caleb, perfect storm. Mm -hmm. We all got together when we got back from Montana and said, hey, you know, I had quite a bit of media camera equipment, drones from using them in real estate. Yeah. 
And uh, we said, hey, let's just get together, you know, knock deer season out of the park. Let's just have fun. Let's film everything. We have no clue what we're doing, but we're going to have fun and we're going to learn a lot and we're going to see where it goes. Mm -hmm. Got to start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we just were out there with our handy cams and DSLRs and, uh, you know, getting a bunch of uh, underexposed and out of focus mm-hmm. <laughs> video clips. Now, and the early video clips when you first get started are always fun to look back at. They're like, good God, what was I thinking? Yeah, yeah they're pretty atrocious when we, get, <laughs> when we look back at them uh, today. And just to think that was last last uh, October, November when oh, we started. God, I look back at some of my stuff from about 10 years ago and I don't want to show anybody. I don't want anybody to know I ever shot that. I'm like, I'm embarrassed by it. But, you know, it's, it's always the same way. You know, yeah. I started from knowing absolutely nothing. I mean, but it's just like anything. You got to gotta take that first step to go anywhere. Yeah, so, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, so we took the first step, just started filming everything, and then, um, you know, decided, hey, if we're going to do this, if we're all going to be contributing money and time in it, we want ownership in it. Um, so starting January 1 of 2018, you know, we formed a, a Tennessee LLC, um, you know, made sure that all of our equipment was licensed and insured and, you know, doing everything by the books. Um, so we're just growing, growing social media interest. Um, y'all do a good job on social. Y'all do a lot better job than I do. I can't keep up with it. That's all Grant. Yeah. Grant, he's very, very uh, meticulous about social media. That's he's good. great about posting, making good contacts, and meeting with a, with another company tomorrow to help kind of try to grow our brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're going to, and we're just working on our direction. We love the media side of it. Mm-hmm. We definitely want to continue to, you know, put out our own media. Uh, and then we're just doing some little side content creation media projects for people. Awesome. Uh, who we've met along the way. Good. Well, um, so tell me about why you're here today. What are we doing here today? Today, so, man, we're just putting the pieces of the puzzle together, mm-hmm. you know, over the past eight months since I jumped into this, um, you know, I really feel like I've laid down the key components of camera knowledge, how my camera works, uh, technical knowledge, uh, you know, I can talk all day long about, you know, codecs and bit rates and <laughs> transfer data rates but at the end of the at the end of the day that doesn't make a story Mm -hmm. and that does not put together a video um that people are intrigued by and want to watch and you know at the end of turkey season we had a great turkey season uh you know got nine kills on camera and three of those birds were people's first turkeys that we got to introduce to turkey hunting and i'm sitting here with hours and hours and hours of awesome footage and I don't know what to do with it. I'm mm-hmm. struggling trying to piece it together to where it flows, it makes sense, and it's something, making it something that people want to watch. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm here today with you, seeing your workflow, um, and trying to learn how to how to cut clips together, how to make them flow, and make it make sense. So what have... So have I helped at all? What have I, what, what have you, have you learned anything? Like what kind of go over what we've kind of looked at today? We've looked at a, a project I've been working on for my uncle. That's actually kind of a passion project. And we looked through some other edits I've done, but kind of have I, have I helped you 
put any of those pieces together because like, you know, when I was talking on the last podcast about how I did that first edit and I'd edited before, but not I've, I've said it once I've said it a thousand times. There's a huge difference between knowing how to use the program and knowing how to edit two very different things. And I did not realize that until essentially chance showed me that day, you know, like I said on the last podcast and I had that aha moment. So, you know, watching, you know, going through and asking questions today, we've been working on, you know, a couple of things. I said, I got three or four edits going on right now. And you ask if you can come down. I said, absolutely. Because I'm, I'm just like you, if I don't see it, you can tell me all day long, but if I don't see it and lay hands on it and be able to say, what'd you do there? You know, why did you do this? Explain it to me. How do you hide the edit? How do you transition? How do you, you know, what is an establishing shot? So, you know, once you know, now that we've done that, we've done, I mean, we've probably worked pretty diligently for five or six hours. So what did, what have you learned? What have you taken away? Any of that good stuff? Yeah, exactly. You hit the nail on the head. I'm a very visual person. You know, I have been sending you some work throughout the last few months and, you know, we've had telephone conversations about, you know, you critiquing it and, you know, you did your best to explain it over the phone, but I really didn't truly understand what you were saying mm-hmm. until after seeing you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at the program and, you know, you've pretty much got square boxes, you know, with video, uh, and lots video, of video files, audio oh, files, yeah. and it's not just putting boxes together. I mean, it really is, you know, pulling them apart and integrating them into one another, um, to make smooth transitions. Mm -hmm. And then, and then being able to understand how to use parts of one clip or parts of another or audio from one thing to be able to help in another area that you wouldn't have known or how to take a clip that's completely irrelevant to what you're trying to do and make it work or how you can because the biggest thing I struggle with when I was first starting is what you said that you feel like you're going to struggle with is the pacing and keeping pace up and and pacing is is really important especially when you're doing short content things that you want to keep somebody's attention now when you're doing a a, a full-length film-ish I guess we use I use that term loosely in our industry because a lot of the things that are called films are generally just montages put to pretty music. But, you know, those those lend themselves to having longer clips and not necessarily having to keep a real, you know, a, a, a fast pace. That those generally don't, well, I mean, which I've told a lot of people, in my opinion, most films in the outdoor industry, and I say most, are pretty much all look the same to me. They're all some pretty shots put to some pretty music, and there's voiceover and that's that's what's considered a film and that to me that's not a film i like that's not my that's not how i learned i guess is how why i don't like it am i capable of editing that way yeah i don't enjoy it it takes me longer to do it um but pacing and it goes back to what you said right before we started the podcast is, you know, it's really making you realize how much more work and how much better work you need to do in the field before you start editing. So explain to me, you know, how you really, you know, what, how that important, how important you realize that now is. Yeah. I mean, we were, we were looking at some clips there from, uh, from Chuck Mm -hmm. or from your uncle. And I didn't realize, but you, 
you know, you would cut your, your interviews up. You would do one big long interview, but you were coaching them and producing the show along the way by guiding them with questions and answers. Uh, you were able to pull out the material from them that made sense and then would flow into the next sentence or the mm-hmm. next thought. I'm editing, I'm editing in my head you as are. I'm filming. You are absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that just goes back to, you know, one of the first things I remember you saying is, you know, ha- have your talent on camera, always say who, what, when, where, why, and whether, yep. you know, that is just ingrained in my head mm-hmm. and anybody who I have filmed, <clears throat> excuse me, over the past eight months knows that, you know, every time I stick a camera in their face to tell me that, mm-hmm. um, but there's a lot more than just that because you just can't jump from that. Yeah. To the next thing. Yeah. No. And that's, and that's the absolute general basics of it is, you know, when you're, when you're giving someone information on camera, that's the basics of the information, who, what, when, where, why, and whether. And then the question I ask behind the camera more than any is what are we doing? You know, in the middle of whatever it is, loading a boat to go out boat fishing or, you know, coming back in from, you know, a hunt or, you know, skinning out an elk or whatever was happening, I stick a camera in your face and I ask you, what are we doing? Well, you know, we, we're, you know, we just got finished stalking, you know, unsuccessfully blew them out or loading the boat about to go out bow fishing. Or, you know, I always ask all the time. I ask that question 15 times a day, camera, frame my shot, focus, expose. What are we doing? Boom. Get my answer. I listen to that answer. I know in my head what I want. If they don't give me what I want, okay, give that to me one more time, but make sure you talk about this and I'll get him to do it again. And it literally, and like I told you earlier, when I'm producing that shot or where I'm producing that segment, I'm always got a, you know, that 10 second timer in my head or that two to three second answer. And like I said, a lot of times it's hard for people to give you that answer. It's hard for them to give you, you know, they want to ramble and tell you the whole story. You know, I put the camera in your face. I said, what happened today? Well, you know, we had this bear come in and he did this and this and this. And when we saw cubs and then we did this and they go on to this long rambling conversation, which is great, but I can't use all that. I'll let them get through their whole conversation, get that all out. Put the camera back in their face. Okay. Tell me about the first bear we saw. They cut it down. Tell me about the cubs. They cut it down. Tell me about how the night ended. They cut it down. Now I've got, now I have some things I can use. That one long rambling thing, I can't use that. Now I've got to go through my head and say, okay, what is useful to me editing? That long thing ain't useful because like we talked about how when people can't enunciate and start and stop their sentences and how they ramble on and their sentence never ends and you have no place to finish a cut because it sounds like they're about to say another word and another word and another word. So if behind the camera, you're not producing that content and producing them to finish that sentence, say, you know, they might say it like you wanted it, but they don't finish their sentence. Say that one more time, but finish your sentence. I've said that a thousand times and that they don't understand why until you get an editing. And it's so important, you know, but it's just like you said, and I get people to talk all the time, you know, and I showed you that I'm constantly getting in, in anybody. I don't care who it is. Most people you see run from the camera. They don't like it. But you find those one or two guys that are not, they're willing to talk to your girls that are willing to talk to you and give it to you. That's where you get your content and you get, you see how much stuff I don't use. 
but you've got to constantly get it. That's how you keep your pace up is to constantly get that dialogue. Tell me what we're doing. Where are we? Tell me again. Tell me again. Tell me again. Tell me again. Well, it's an hour later. Tell me again. And then I have it. I don't ever have to fake it. Yeah. And then I was also amazed at, you know, when you, when you recorded the dialogue properly, you didn't have to cover it up near as much. You know, you could smoothly transition from one sentence or one thought to the next. Um, and well, and it helps. It helps a lot. Like with somebody like a Chuck, or the best. You know, obviously the best I'd ever done was Fox Rally. Somebody that gets it, that understands production. They understand what you want. They understand how the editing process is. They can give it to you so much better. And that's why it helps. You know, when you when you are constantly filming and you're constantly working with the same person, then you get in that group to where they know what you want. They know what you like, Chuck. I've and I've filmed with Chuck for forever you know it's been a year or so since i filmed with him but he knows i point the camera in his face and i tell him to give me a setup he knows what to give me i I coach him one way he knows how to make it better and that's the great thing is like with somebody like him or somebody you get really used to or comfortable with that's good on cameras you can think of something i can think of something in my head that i want him to say he can regurgitate that but he can make it better and have more personality than i could have i can give him the thought he can make that thought better and then I can take that in editing and I can make it even that much better in editing so it's that's something that in in production that is taken for granted is the constant dialogue the establishing shots and shots that get you from one place to another you know that day to night and and smoothing that audio and, and and covering up your edits and how to hide an edit what a jump cut is all those things. So did you, is that something that you had done much with or that you had seen, you know, much of until today? No, not at all. And the covering the edits not and everything? Not at all. I mean, I... But that makes sense bef- of why you do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Until the day, like I said earlier, it was just literally, you know, butting the boxes up butting together. Them, yeah. And, and what do you never do? <laughs> cross dissolve. Cross dissolve. Cross dissolve. Okay. Never cross dissolve. Never cross dissolve. Um, so kind of explain, I know I just said a lot of you know some words so explain to listeners what exactly i'm talking about with a jump cut or using a b-roll clip to cover up the beginning of a of a talk the best we can without visually showing it yeah so you know if we're doing an interview uh or we have dialogue with the talent and they're giving they're answering your questions you know you ask them question one two and three um and you're wanting to to transition from the answer of question one to the answer of question two, uh, or you know thought one to thought two. Um, you are simply cutting the clip uh, after the last word that they would say mm-hmm. of the thought, and then most of the time you're punching in you know twenty mm-hmm. percent or so, and then immediately going into the next answer or the next thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's your jump cut. So you have one clip and a lot of times in the middle of that clip, you'll cut in the middle of it and then push in 20%. And that's a good way to hide an edit or to take out an um or an uh or a thought that you don't want. That's a really quick way. And then the other is when you hide the edit is when you, it, and this is where it goes back to shooting in the field where you have to have enough supporting B-roll to cover up those interviews, if say they talk about the weather, say they talk about their bow or their new water release or whatever, you got to have shots of all of those things because those are what are going to cover up 
all of your talking and your edits and all those gaps and all those ums and ahs. And the biggest thing that I that I reiterated when you first got here is having trailing and leading edges on your video to where they cover up dialogue and then they cover up the end of dialogue. That way you hear the person talking underneath a piece of B-roll and then that softly transitions you into them talking instead of that hard cut to hard cut because that makes it so much, it's subconscious. It makes it so much smoother going into it because I showed you that one spot where we went into the nighttime. I'm like, see how seamlessly this changes because you hear that audio come in underneath that shot and we're going from day to night and all you hear is that car going and you know subconsciously something's coming. Then you see that next shot of nighttime and then in one, literally in four, less than that, two seconds, I transitioned you from day to night to a completely different scene with one shot. Yeah, it makes it so much more enjoyable to watch. Yeah, and but I didn't get it. I didn't get it when I first started. It didn't make any sense. And then I saw it, and I'm like, holy crap. That's so e-. And it's so simple. It's stupid simple, and, and unless you see it and understand it. But everything that you watch, any good production you watch, that's how it happens. You watch any network show, and you'll go home, you'll notice it now. As you you'll hear that audio come in from somebody talking, or you'll hear that truck, you know those truck tires going down the road. And the next show, scene you sees that truck, and it gets you from one place to the other, or whatever it may be, is that one simple thing that can get you from here to here. And you've got a bunch of notes and stuff that you took today. So obviously, hopefully, you learned something. Am I am I worth the crap as a teacher, or did I just kind of blow through some stuff or anything like that? Absolutely. Now you didn't you didn't blow through anything. I mean, I, I've done my homework. Uh, I use the same editing editing suite that you do. Okay, you know, good. I've got the whole Adobe subscription and spend a lot of time on Premiere Pro. So, you know, the speed. I mean, you're obviously a bajillion times faster editing than I am. I just takes. I've done a lot of it. That just takes practice. But you know, for the most part, the shortcuts and and the actions you were taking, you know, were familiar enough that I didn't get lost. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just needing to see. To see how you did it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Well, good. Hopefully, hopefully you go back to some of that turkey footage and you can put some of it together now in a way that's, that's palatable. I and definitely will. Good. So you got, so you do have a bunch of stuff to work on. When you I do. Back. I do. And, you know, unfortunately, I think one of the, uh, one of the things that I'm going to do now is I'm going to be kicking my guys in the butt mm-hmm. saying, Hey, we got to go back in the field and, uh, reshoot a bunch of this we'll because, see. Y'all didn't tell me the story as we filmed it. And the camera class that, you know, that I'm still hoping we get to do, that's where I really go over a lot of that stuff is I'll go over, I'll pull an edit in like that one, you know, the ones that I showed you and I'll take out those clips. You know, I'll, I'll essentially, I'll, um, I'll enable those in the timeline so you can't see them and I'll play the scene through and it's like, well, that's, yeah, that's great. And then you put those shots in that you wouldn't have thought of and it's, it's a different, it's a completely different scene just from a couple of shots, you know, that if you didn't think to get them or you didn't know to have them or didn't understand what they were or what purpose they served, then like cutaways and establishing shots, you know, I've beat it in people's brains that call me. It's like, get these shots. It takes two seconds to get them. Go and get them, you know, take the extra time, wait till your hunter gets, you know, good and recovered after a shot and then restage this you know people hate restages but in order to tell an effective story it's entertainment you know unless you want to do something that's you're running 37 second angles or having two and three camera guys to get everything live in the field you have to restage it 
Absolutely. And people that get upset at it, I'm sorry. To tell an effective story and to tell a good job, if you restage it correctly and you do a good job of restaging, it's not as apparent as, like I know I watch a lot of hunting shows with people and I pick them apart because that's just my hobby is to pick hunting shows apart. And, um, I sh- you know, and people don't realize a lot of people, you know, your everyday viewer, they don't realize those shots are after the fact. They don't know the restage. If you do a good job, they don't get, they're like, I'm, they're like, I'm like, that shot's after the, after they have already shot it. That happened 10 minutes after that deer was dead. And they're like, huh? They, they, they didn't know that. Yeah. You know, and, um, and for people listening a restage, we call them, um, cutaways or restages or reshoots or, um, recreates is, you know, after an animal shot, you go back and you shoot those shots of clipping in your release, you know, tight shots of eyes, drawing back. Hey, are you on? And, you know, all those, you know, five to 10 shots to effectively tell a story. And then another reason, another way that they really play a huge role is to keep the pace up, you know, because you have an animal coming in and you know, sometimes it takes them you know, 20 minutes to get there. Well, you're not going to play an animal walking in for 20 minutes. How am I going to break that up? I'm not going to jump cut the whole way in. I've got to have things to get me from here to here. So I've got to take a 20 minute, you know, thing of a whitetail walking in and I've got to cut it down to 45 seconds. Okay, well, I'm not just going to cut out from when he was 300 yards in the field to when he's 30 yards. I got to get him from there to there. What shots do I need to get him from there to there? Glassing, seeing him. Here he comes. Now he's at, you know, he's at 100 yards. You know, he's now he's still out there a little ways. You know, next shot, he's at 40 yards. And you range him, he's at 40, and he's come a little closer. And comes to 40, and you on him, draw and shoot him. I get those five shots. I just got him from 300 yards to 30 yards in five shots. But those are all recreated. Yeah. All those things happened in the tree. Why not restage them? You know? Or just the opposite. Justin and I had a turkey hunt this spring. And uh, it actually, to even more emphasize the point, the landowner was with us. Mm -hmm. And he just wanted to watch us hunt. And so we went out, you know, on his farm. And uh, the first time Justin called, Justin was behind the camera. I was, or I was behind the camera. Justin had the gun. And uh, the first time we called... We had a tom gobble forty yards behind us, and you got, I mean, you got it right then. Literally, it was panic. Throw up a hen decoy mm-hmm. and get in the bushes and and sometimes set up. and sometimes that happens, yeah. And so you know, I didn't get any B roll or pre roll of Justin calling, mm-hmm. putting the you know putting the decoys out, getting his gun set up. Um, you know, it was literally it was panic mode just mm-hmm. to not now, spook the bird. So we had to recreate the shots after the yep. fact. Have it, to you have to. Had to. Have to. Or there's no story. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and there's a lot of guys that will say, well, that's bull crap. I'd rather just see a 30-second hunt. No, you don't. That's bull crap. You want to see, if you want to, if you want an effective story told, you have to go back and shoot that stuff. Yeah. And the landowner, uh, you know, he was hanging around as we were recreating. And what, was his, what was his take on it? <laughs> he, uh, you know, he was just shocked. He, mm-hmm. you know, he was not much of a hunter. Uh, I think he was a duck hunter, maybe. Uh, but he didn't know that's how it But he did you... not know that's you know that that's how it happened. And he goes, <laughs> Really? Great. You're gonna use that video? And I said, Yeah, you know, we're gonna do exactly what we just did, but you know, I'm gonna have the camera ready, you know, rolling in focus. Mm-hmm. You know, get the tights of mm-hmm. hands, eyes, pulling the gun up, you gotta have it. turning the safety off, clicking the safety off, um, you know, all that stuff to to put it together. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you absolutely have to have it, and and the time it took to do that, and the value it has in editing, is is it's dumb not to do it, and that's what so many, so many guys get so focused on, filming a kill. I need to get a kill. I need to get a kill. I need to get a kill. No, you don't. 
you need to tell the whole story. There's so much more to a good film or a good web show or a good television show than the kill. Look at the look how much percentage of that show or that piece of content. How much of it was that kill? Two percent, three percent. You know, they might show it over, you know, two or three other times. But in the grand scheme of things, it's so short. You've got you know, if you're doing a television show, you got twenty one and almost a half minutes of other content you've got to show. You know, and that's why a lot of guys that's why I think TV's dying is because essentially to create that long of a story, you've got to put a bunch of BS in there that nobody cares about. And then on the website, you get yelled at because it's, I didn't get the full story. So it's, it, you know, it's danged if you do, danged if you don't. It's hard to, for, which first of all, you're never going to make everybody happy. But I think if you tell an effective story, it needs to take as long as it takes. You know, I was, I always, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. I was one of those guys until recently that thought that under 10 minute web shows, six to nine minutes were the sweet spot. That's where it needed to be because that's where attention. I essentially equate it to, I want this piece of content to be just long enough to where somebody can watch it on the toilet when they're taking a crap. Um, you know, that's, that's where I, that's where I gauged attention spans. Like when somebody's sitting on the can, they can pull out their phone, they can watch the web series in six to nine minutes if, That's it's, where if I thought, it's good enough, they'll sit there longer, if, though. Yeah, if it's good enough, yeah. <laughs> and I thought that longer web shows, you know, 15, 20-minute ones, they wouldn't do well, no matter how good they were. You know, that was kind of my opinion. And then the Born and Raised guys came out with their um, Land of the Free, and they had some, I think they had some that were almost an hour. I mean, they had 40-minute ones, and they did 50 episodes. And I'm like, there's no way this is going to do well. And it ended up killing it. I think in the right context with the right promotion and the right message, I think it matters how long it is. I like I, if if it was up to me, I would rather edit, you know, those six to nine minute ones. That's kind of my sweet spot. That's what I enjoy doing. If I never have to edit another television show as long as I live, <laughs> I won't complain because they're such a pain in the butt. The between the production guidelines and having to stretch, uh, you know, it's really 15 minutes of content, stretch that 21 and a half. That's not fun as an editor to try and essentially make, you know, a chicken salad out of, you know what. So, and, and that happens so often. And uh, there's so many things changing in this media world too. But for you wanting to learn how to edit and learn how to do it correctly and effectively... I mean, you've already said that, you know, in y'all since, what, November last year, y'all have already had people approach you for doing, you know, paying gigs. Absolutely. And that's, yeah. there's work out there, man. If, you, if you're willing to put in the work yourself, it's absolutely there. It is. Yeah, I mean, right now we're the only, our, our experience is the only limitation at this point. Yeah. You know, I know that when we can, uh, when we can put the, the right amount of effort and time into these projects and we know exactly how to edit them. Mm -hmm. The sky's the limit. Well, that's awesome. And I mean, y'all are in a great area for it. Nashville's a, I mean, if I had to live in a city or, you know, or near a city, Nashville would be one of them. It's a great location for the Midwest. You're not too terribly far from, you're within striking distance of just about everything. Mm -hmm. You know, you've yeah. got deer, ducks, turkeys, you know, somewhat elk, you know, predators, all the good, all, you know, all the, the good stuff. You're right there within, but you grew up on the Kentucky line though, right? I did. Yeah. I grew up in a small town, uh, just due north of Nashville. Y'all got uh, a place in Kentucky. Yep. 
Yeah, yeah we've got a, a farm that we hunt in. Well, I hate your guts for that. In southwest Kentucky. <laughs> uh, blessed to be able to hunt yeah. there and have been managing that farm for 15, 16 years. How big is it? 725 acres. Nice. That's a great freaking size farm, too. Yeah. You got some good neighbors? Pretty good neighbors. Pretty good neighbors. You Pretty say that neighbors. with a smile on your face. So there's, <laughs> I got you. Um, so what's, uh, what's, what's kind of your goal? What's your goal for all this? What's your goal in the hunting world? What's your goal from the production world? Is it to learn enough to make a little money? Is it to try and, you know, build a career? What's the goal? You know, it's, it's funny you, uh, you asked that because, uh, the four of us, you know, Justin, Austin, Grant, and myself have been having some deep conversations about that. Mm-hmm. And, um, we're, we're heavily focused on writing our, writing our goals, figuring out what direction we want to go. Um, you know, initially, uh, we wanted to have, you know, within the next two to three years, our own web-based TV show, mm-hmm. uh, to where the four of us are, you know, the talent, the hunters, the cameramen and the editors that, you know, we just do it all ourselves. Mm-hmm and start out small and, and grow bigger. Um, but you know, like you mentioned earlier, we walk around, you know, this year at ATA or NWTF and, you know, we've got a big camera and they see us, you know, companies see us interviewing people and, you know, people come to us wanting us to help them with media creation and content. Uh, so we've, you know, started, we've started branching out and working as, you know, brand ambassadors or pro staff for companies like, um, Analogics was the last one we brought on. We do some work for Alps Outdoors. Uh, you, uh, you led us to the Sitka pro staff, uh, being eligible as uh, media professionals through mm-hmm. that. Um, it's a great program. It is amazing. If I would have known that two years ago, it would have saved me thousands of dollars. Every year at Christmas, they give you an extra 10% off. So you get 50% off at Christmas. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. So always, and it's a friends and family. So they let you bring in whoever you want. Yeah. So you can just make a big order and I do it every year. It's great. They've got a big game sale right now for 2018. So you get an additional 10% off right now on big game every day. Oh, really? And then in July, you get an additional 10% off on the whitetail line. All day. I guess Um, I don't have to order some stuff when it comes up to then but yeah i mean we've we've enjoyed working with other people uh do some work with stealth pod x um some individual talent um you know we're just we're just enjoying it making contacts the big thing is about networking networking and learning i mean there's a lot of good folks out there there's a couple of crappy ones but there's a lot of good ones out there more good than crap yeah i i definitely agree we've met a lot of good people just look call me if you want to know which ones are crappy ones i'll tell you (laughs) Uh, I don't know all of them, but I know a lot of them. Yeah, so, I mean, we're just working hard um, and just learning, man. You know, knowledge is power. Absolutely. Uh, you know, right now I, I feel proficient in Adobe Lightroom. I feel proficient in Premiere. Uh, you know, you blow my mind on After Effects right now and, and Photoshop. We so need I've got to... Gotta... I need to show you. We need to go through a time lapse. That's something we need to do next. I need to show you how to do a time lapse. Do you know how to do a time lapse yeah, in yeah, After I've... Effects and all that good stuff? Not and in After it... Effects. No, I mean not After Effects, but in Lightroom and bring yes. it into Premiere. Yes. I, every time... I've only done... I think oh, three... I did, a, I did a whole podcast. I've done three or four of them, and every time I do that, I pull up your YouTube video mm-hmm. and reference your YouTube video, mm-hmm. 
and walk through it as I'm doing it. Yeah. I haven't done enough of them. To yeah, those are, that's one of my new favorite things. My, my, one of my new favorite things is just taking pictures and doing photography. Yeah. You know, period. Um, I enjoyed that. It, to me, it's so much more challenging to try and tell a story in one image versus thousands of images in a, you know, a video. It is. And that's, that's tough. Yeah. Your, your podcast with Chris Irwin, we're, some freaking, of my favorites freaking Irwin man some that's of one my of my favorites. best dudes shout out yeah. Irwin if you're listening buddy we gotta do more podcasts with him I'm trying to get him on some I got some more pro- projects I'm working on and I'm trying to get him in on them because he's talked to me about wanting to try and get into video and I would love for him to get into video because I want to get into photos so I want to I want to yeah, work together be able to collaborate with him and you know because I did a, a that turkey hunt that, that we did the podcast he actually ran some of the second angle stuff on there, and it was really good for him to have never really done video before. Yeah. He just has an eye. I mean, yeah. he's a photographer. He's got the eye for, for sure. it. It's just switching that thing in your brain from video to photos and from photo to video. There's like a disconnect that is taking me, honestly, two years to kind of try and bridge. I've done, I feel like I do a little bit better on the photo side, and a lot of the web shows that I do now, that's one of the biggest selling points I guess I have is. They all want product videos because everybody needs content. You know, all their pro- all their sponsors need content. So each show, each episode, we're always taking really quality product pictures for all these companies. And I would venture to guess that those companies value those photos more than they do the web series is now, because like we said a hundred times, content is king. You know, and and it's hard for somebody to be able to take pictures and do video, and edit. So that's what I've tried to do, is I've tried to learn how to do everything. Because it is. they don't have to call anybody else. They can call me, and I can do it all. Yep. And um, I've experienced that same thing this spring. Yeah. You know, I've been turkey hunting with somebody, had a successful hunt, and then, you know, they needed professional photos mm-hmm. for because if you, whatever. Because if you can't do it, then they've got to hire somebody else, and it costs that yeah. much more money. Yeah. If you can do it, and your time, you're already there. You just do it, knock it out. Exactly. And, and, and I've got the DSLR. I've got the lenses I'm using to get B-roll with or you, whatever. And you add so much value by doing that. And you can charge more because you can do that. You know, somebody calls me. Like, I got a call the other day from, you know, a group of guys that were wanting me to do some work with them. And I would love to do work with them. And I gave them a price. And I don't know if I'm in their budget, you know. But I've gotten to the place in my career to where I'm going to charge what it, it costs what it costs. Because... I've I've got a set of skills that not a ton of people have. Are they hard to get? No, they just take time. They take a lot of time and a lot of dedication. Because I'll tell you right now, if I can do the things that I do, anybody can do it. Because I'm not the smartest dude in the world. I just am driven and, and, and wanted to learn. And I I respect you a ton because honestly, the first, to how you're doing the same thing I did, but I did it earlier than you i learned how to i did i sat down with somebody for about eight hours to learn how to use the program and what the buttons did and then i didn't learn the process you're learning until three years later i sat down with a guy that edits church videos i went to his studio and he's like here's how you bring in a clip here's how you import it here's how you bring it in here's how you cut it up here's how you set an in and out point like the absolute bare minimum basics I learned all that in about eight hours, and that was on Final Cut 7. That was before Premiere Pro even came out. There's a lot more information accessible now, though. Oh, I mean, dude, I'm telling you, when I first started, there was, unless you knew somebody, you were, you're done, man. And yeah. everybody wanted to keep it a secret. And I still feel like it, 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 in some aspects, guys in my position or in a positions like mine where they you know, are in this industry and they're proficient, they still want to keep it a secret. 
And I've said a thousand times, I think that's stupid. Because if I share my information, I share my knowledge, and I create three more guys that can do what I do, what's that going to do? It's going to create competition. It's inherently going to make me work harder and make me better. And I don't, and, and, and for somebody that says, why would you give away your knowledge to someone or, you know, do this podcast and, you know, give trade secrets or there's no freaking trade secrets. All no. you gotta do is, all you gotta know what to do is look for, you know, it's look all for on YouTube. YouTube. It's all on YouTube. <laughs> the hardest thing for me when I was trying to learn is like, I wanted to learn how to do a parallax on a video where you cut out, you know, you shoot a really shallow depth of field and you cut out the image and you make the, the front image and the back image move independently. I wanted to learn how to do that, but I never could figure out what it was called. I was like, I know what I want to do, but I don't know what that's called. And I finally, somebody said, yeah, something, something parallax, you know, parallax. And I'm like, what's that? And they're like, the, you know, how, how the two images move and you cut them out of Photoshop. I'm like, ah, parallax. Went to YouTube, looked it up. Now I know how to do that. This, yeah. My hardest thing was figuring out what the heck it was called. Yeah. But in that and then gear and technology and keeping up with gear and technology, it just changes so much. Yeah, that's been, I mean, it, and I know you've talked about this on another podcast, but you know, it's, it's starting a business. It's yeah. an investment, um, to do it, to do it right. To do it right. Yeah. And, and I feel like we have, you know, tried to do that, um, to take the right steps to get the right equipment. And it is an investment and it's very expensive. Um, uh, but once you have the right gear, it, it is expensive, but think about if you were going to start a construction company. True. Think about if you were going to start a trucking company. Think about if you were going to start a building company or virtually anything else. Relative to, I guess, getting your real estate license might be one of the cheaper ways to do it. But other than that, a production company or photography company, it doesn't get much cheaper than that. And the greatest Agreed. thing about Agreed. it is literally everything on this desk, everything in my, you know, my shop with all my camera gear, tripods, heads, all of it. I would say all of it. 99% of it. If it all burn up today or somebody stole every bit of it, and I got my insurance claim in two days off of Amazon Prime. I could replace every bit of it. The only thing I couldn't replace is the footage on the hard drives. I can't ever replace that. But other than that, the hardware and the software, in two days, I can be up and running again. There's very few businesses that you can do that with. Very true. And that's, that is, people think about, they think, how much is that camera? $10,000. Holy crap, that's a lot. Then they go buy a service truck for their business that's 45000 But they think a $10,000 camera is a lot. But they're buying a service truck that's forty five thousand, or a new welder that's, you know, several thousand, or whatever the case may be, and they're working with really big numbers. But that you know, when you price yourself, and I did, I've done a podcast about pricing yourself. Essentially, what you're pricing is your time, because all it takes for me, once I have my hardware, which you know, in essence, is twenty five, thirty, forty thousand dollars, unless you have reds and a bunch of other crap. It's really my time. How long is it going to take me to go and shoot it, bring it back, cut it up, and export it? You know, it's a service and a product because I'm providing a service by shooting and I'm also providing a product in the video at the end. So it's it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. There's a ton of competition, but the beautiful thing about it is there's so many ways to to take in content now, so many different avenues to watch content. You know, that we just talked looked at the thing about IGTV earlier and how that's gonna change things. There's YouTube, there's Vimeo, there's Carbon, there's Outdoor Channel, there's Sportsman's Channel, there's a million other ones. So there's always going to be a need for content. Just what you have to do is you've got to be, first of all, you've got to be a decent human being. Then you've got to put out quality content and network. If you can do those three things, you can do it. 
no reason you can't. Absolutely. Can. And I yeah. think uh, I think you guys have got it. You know, from what little I've met you guys and hung out with you, I mean, you seem like, okay, dude, I mean, you might be douches for all I know, but I don't think you are. But um, y'all seem like good guys. I mean, y'all love to hunt. And, I appreciate I mean, it. Y'all, yeah. Yeah, y'all get to, y'all, I'm jealous you're going to New Mexico to do an elk hunt this year. Yeah, Grant told me this morning that he uh, got an invitation to go to New Mexico. Yeah. Um, thanks, you know, thanks for the invite, Grant. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we've got you know big uh, big plans for the fall. Y'all filming uh, that? What's that? Are you filming the hunt in New Mexico? I don't know yet. You don't know yet. Have That's not, not the yet. answer. That's not the answer I wanted. If it's possible, yes. Okay, good. Yes, if if the answer can be yes, if it the will be. Can be yes. We've got an early velvet season in Tennessee this year. Oh, yeah. I heard about that. So we'll have an early weekend in uh, late August. Late that early? Yeah, late August. It's that early? Yeah. So it's earlier than Kentucky. Yes. I think it's I the, last, it I think it's the last weekend. I heard it was. I heard y'all got a, a velvet season, but I didn't know it was early. Yeah. I mean, late August. Yeah, it's late August. Holy crap. So one what, of, pushed, what pushed for that? I have no clue. I did not know that anybody was pushing for it and uh we were down towards chattanooga a few weeks ago filming the uh, total archery challenge when they were there i wish i could have came to that and uh there were a bunch of game wardens and local uh pro shops and bow shops and everybody just went crazy all at once and we're like what's going on they're like the news early you know early uh early bow season for deer you know for for velvet bucks y'all got a good place to try and do that yep yeah we've got uh one of our family farms is south of Nashville, southwest in Hickman County, and uh, had a good three-year-old uh, that had double, double drop tines last year. Dang, I don't know if I told so, him. I don't know if I'd put that out there on the web. <laughs> so uh, we've got big hopes for that deer. Yeah. Not much else besides that one deer. Okay. Uh, well, you we've got, got some good we, ones in Kentucky? Yep. Yeah, yeah. We've always got, you know, a solid solid herd in Kentucky. That's uh, awesome. We always shoot a bunch of does and that's and a lease or is that a place y'all own it is my best friend's farm that's awesome yeah been best friend since sophomore year of high school that's a good, that's a good best friend uh and so really there's only three of us uh four of us that you know hunt it that's awesome you got turkey hunt that place too or just we do we turkey awesome. hunt it the turkey hunting has not been that great the last few years really um i figured it'd be awesome up there in kentucky in that but, part of the world in southwest you said yeah southwest kentucky dang but the deer hunting's good uh, i mean we, so you've got the early velvet you've got kentucky and you've got new mexico you got anything else planned other than that um hopefully go with you to oklahoma i hope so yes that's the plan working on that mm-hmm. um and then we've been talking um uh, to a couple of companies that were wanting us to come hunt and shoot some products for them um in the later season december january in the Texas? Midwest. Midwest? Uh, Kansas. Kansas. Yeah. Nice. So. I have never, I'm trying to think, that is one state I have never filmed or hunted in is Kansas. Yeah. Believe it or not. I've hunted about everywhere else, but Kansas is one I have not done much with. And I want to hunt Kansas. I want to do what, I've got a, um, a friend of mine that has a giant place out there and he's invited me out there to turkey hunt and stuff. And I just, I don't have time. Like I want to try and I've got my Wyoming hunt this year and I'm trying my best to figure out a way to squeeze in a Colorado in that time frame. But my, my best friend, which he's not a great friend. I told you about this earlier has put his wedding September the 15th of all dates. So thanks. Thank you, Andre. If you're listening, hate your guts, September the 15th. So 
I'm going to Wyoming with Mark Groupie, a friend of mine, and Ryder Porter from California. They invited me out there to the Wyoming place that we drew the tag for, and I told them the, about the wedding. So he's like, well, we're gonna, we weren't planning on starting until the 17th. So I'm literally going to have my truck packed at the wedding, and I'm going to leave from the wedding and start driving because nice. it's going to take me that long to get there. Yeah, and I feel I, you on being busy, man. Yeah. We've had a place in Ohio, southeast Ohio, that we can go hunt for what, the last two years. Where, what, near, how far from Columbus? Um, it's about an hour southeast of Columbus. Okay. I haven't, haven't even made it up there, and I they've got, been offering us. I got some us, really good buddies around there if you need help on a place or something. There. Uh, then we always go to um, South Alabama, close to so, Auburn. L.A. Yep. Lower Alabama. And... Uh, Justin, uh, one of his best friends from college, um, has a big farm down there. So y'all have got the, you know, y'all have the places for to get the content. Oh, yeah. So that's good. Yeah. But so we'll go you, down there in January because they're ruts in January. But you realize, I mean, I know you realize this, but some people listening think that sounds awesome. And it is awesome. But that is a crap ton of time, a crap ton of money, and a crap ton of headache and you know, time away from family and everything else. I mean... It's a huge sacrifice to try and do it right. If you it want is. to try and create the content and do it right, if this, especially when it's not your full time job, like exactly. it is mine. Yeah, we were just talking about that. Holy I mean, crap! It's 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 hard to hold a full time job or keep a full time job to try and do something like that. It's a gigantic undertaking, a logistical, especially when you got four guys yeah. to try and logisticize that. Who's going where? Who's doing what? You know, that was one of the biggest problems when I was trying to do a web series kind of trying what y'all are doing is nobody wanted to film. Everybody wanted to hunt. You'll never have a shortage of guys that want to hunt. Exactly. And I learned early on <laughs> the money is behind the camera, not in it front is. of it. You know, it there's is. very few guys that will make money in front of it. Yeah. Um, especially this day and age, you know, you've got to be able to do both or you've got to have a, you've got to have something special that nobody else can replicate. That's the only way you're making it, you know, behind it yeah. or in front of it. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, uh, it's definitely a side hustle wanting to do things right. You know, Grant and I are definitely perfectionists when it comes to editing mm-hmm. and our workflow, you know, and we've got full-time jobs to keep our employers happy, keep our families happy. And then, you know, trying to squeeze in as much time to get content out. And yeah. it's, it's hard. Not yeah. going to lie. Well, and, and, and you want to be able to put out the best content you possibly can and you'll, you'll run into it. Cause I run into it as a full-time guy that does this. You still won't have enough time to do it the way you want to do it. There'll be something you'll get in that truck on the way back home from Kentucky after you kill that deer, and you'll be like, crap, why did I not do this? Or you'll come back from New Mexico, and you'll be like, dadgummit, why didn't I do this one shot or this one thing? And you can't just drive back to New Mexico and get it. No. And there's never enough time in the day. That's why I'm like, have a plan. Have a plan before you get there. Get all the shots. Tell the story. You know, get that establishing shot. Get that leaving. Get that walking off. Get all those things because you can't go back. Yeah, and one of the biggest things that stands out to me is the amount of time, um, how long you run your clips for. Mm-hmm. You know, that was one of the first things is to keep pace the way you like to edit and keep pace. You know, you said that you only show a clip for just a few seconds. Three to five, yeah. Yeah, three to five seconds. And so, you know, if you're doing, you know, a short five to ten minute video, you know, do the math. See, in my mind, in my mind five to ten minute video is a long video. Yeah. You know, a short video to me is a minute, two minutes. Yeah. So, you know, if you just say a five-minute video at minimum to tell a hunting story, you know, you're looking at, you know, 60, 70, 80 clips. Mm-hmm. 
And then some of those are the same clip used over right. and over again or yeah. parts of another clip. But like when I'm shooting B-roll or I'm shooting establishing shots or whatever those shots I talked about, I have a 10-second timer in my head. If I get a solid 10-second clip, I'll roll 10 seconds. If I can get a solid 10-second clip, that's all I ever get because I don't need any more than that. I'll never use more than that, you know, and like a time lapse. That's why I want to try and get, you know, 240 pictures because 240 pictures equals 10 seconds in an editing. And the reason I want to get 10 seconds is because I want to find that best three-second section. Or if the whole thing's good, I can condense it down and make it really dynamic. Or I can speed it up, slow it down, and do so much more with it. You know, So I have that 10-second timer in my head for you know making sure I get the right amount of length in the field. And then when I'm editing, it's three to five seconds. And the only, rate, only way I'd ever show a clip longer than five seconds or six seconds is if it's for effect. If I need you to look at something longer than that or there's something that happens in the field or an animal coming in from a long way or running off or whatever the case may be. If there's something that denotes me to need a clip longer than that, mm-hmm. it's the only time I'll use one. If it's in the bulk of the content of the story, never longer than three or five seconds, sometimes shorter than that. And like, you know, editing the music, you know, you're never going to get a beat that's longer than that apart. So you, it's the way you do it. Sure. That's, well, that's the way I do it. I'm not saying what I'm, what I do is the right way. I'm just saying that's, a really good way. All you got to do is watch a child's cartoon. If you want to learn why we need pace that fast, watch a kid's cartoon. Watch how fast that thing changes. Watch how fast that clip goes. It's because that's the only way you're going to keep a kid's attention now. And that's and, and essentially those cartoons were designed for us when we were little. So it's the same thing now. I mean, we're we're essentially we've created our own demon. Really, is if we don't keep that pace up, if it's a long clip of talking like this, nobody's watching that. If you're not, you know, bang, 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 get it out. I mean, like when we used to do the habit, I used to say that show was so fast. If you didn't pay attention, you're going to miss something. It was almost too fast at times. But I'm also biased. I also think it was one of the better shows out there just because it had incredible hosts. The hunting was so, you know, relatable to guys. And it was fast, man. Yeah, I found out today Chuck's got a good personality. He's a nut, man. (laughs) Yeah, he called on the phone today. He's a nut. But yeah, um, dude, I've enjoyed it. uh, I'm glad we got to take about, well, 56 minutes and do a podcast. Oh, wow. Yeah, we've been talking talking a long time. But dude, I appreciate it. And um, I hope you and Grant and the rest of the guys, if y'all need anything, you know how to get a hold of me. We will be back. And we're only four hours away. We're not that far. It wasn't that bad. Yeah, was it four hours ish? It was right at four hours. Yeah, yeah right at four I hours. Left it's it. not bad. Well, about four hours, almost four and a half hours. Yeah, I you're guess. still kind of yawning a little bit. You're still a little yeah. tired. You were here yeah, struggling. I was on, tur- I was on turkey time this morning. <laughs> struggle busting earlier, but dude, I appreciate it. And uh, what's what's give me the eighth and time your Instagrams and websites yeah. and all that good Everything stuff. Everything is eighth and time. The tell num- me, tell me what, why the name eighth oh, and time. I'm sure, ask that sure. question. So this is all, that was all part of Grant's being the founder. He came uh-huh. up with this eight is, uh, is Grant's life number. You know, he was born on eight Oh eight, eight pounds, eight ounces, oh, Wow. Okay. you know, street address growing up was a bunch of eights. Uh, you know, he swears if he goes to McDonald's and orders a hamburger, he's going to have, you know, order number eight and it's going to be $8 and eight cents. <laughs> so everything happens. Uh, his life number. That's it, a first. That's his me. life that's number. That's the first thing I've heard that. And, uh, since I have paid attention to it, it also has been occurring in my life. Um, huh. you know, we, uh, have a new baby at home and 
I think we were we were in delivery room number eight. Yeah. And then when we went to postpartum, we were in room three hundred eight. Yeah. Uh, so that's crazy. So life, you know, and eighth and time is just so something. yeah. So eight is eight is just represents life, mm-hmm. and then time represents the outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you know we've been blessed of growing up in the country, hunting, fishing. I was really hoping that was a street address. No, it's not. Damn. <laughs> I was really hoping it was some a, a road that somebody grew up on or saw somewhere. So, but I like that. Story so now we're too. just saying, just meet us at the crossroads of of life in the outdoors. I got gotcha. you. You know, just okay. trying to show people bring you know really bringing new people into the outdoors um well to, it's changing the perspective of is. hunting is changing the 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 outside view is changing there's still the negative connotation with it but i mean every podcast i listen to now ranella you know wired to hunt you know all those rogan all those guys you know their central mission is to change the perspective from the hillbilly redneck hunter which is still exists Absolutely. But is yeah. I feel like in much less supply than when I was growing up. I feel like it's a much more focused, much more driven, much more media driven, much more technologically savvy group now and forward thinking group than it ever has been. I agree. And all you gotta do is I listen agree. to those podcasts and listen to those guys talk and what their goals are and how they want to see the industry, how they want to see the media shift. I know um, uh, Meteor and uh, Mark Kenyon just announced they're doing a company together, yep. essentially to try and change the media. Yeah, you know, in the outdoors. Randy Newberg yeah. has been doing a really great job yeah, for Newberg, the last few years, which I'm I'm excited about. You know, I'm excited about that shift. You know, there I can't remember who talked about it, but it was if you want to see which direction the hunting industry should go, they should look at the fly fishing industry of how well they do with public perception and how when they take pictures of first of all catch and release generally is going to be looked upon more than killing which i'm not a catch and release type person but one thing that they do and i can't remember who said this was when you see a really beautiful image from the fly fishing community generally it's of the animal or the of the fish and the person holding the fish is generally either way out of focus or their heads completely cut out anyway, because it doesn't matter who caught the fish. It's right. about the fish. Right. And I don't want to get into this because if you want to listen to this talk, you can listen to literally any other podcast. But the perception and what y'all are trying to do is where we've got to move. Uh, and I've actually got a podcast planned with a really good friend of mine from North Carolina named Tucker Hayes that we're going to talk about this and how the media has changed and how the media is shifting. Um. We talked about it on the phone for about two hours. I'm like, why didn't we do a podcast about this? He's like, well, call me back and we'll do a podcast about it. So we're going to talk about this exact thing. But what you're doing is good and it's needed. And you guys, I feel like, are the right ones to do it. So now that we've rambled about that, tell me the Instagram names, the website Uh, names. (laughs) Everything is uh, 8th and Tine. So the number 8-T-H-A-N-D-T-I-N-E. Uh, Instagram.com, Instagram. Yep. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, everything. website, everything. You can find us there. Well, good. And it's a, it's a perfect name to be able to get all those things. Cause it's hard. Like there's, I got tagged in something the other day. Somebody thought they tagged me in Copeland creative and it wasn't me. There's another Copeland creative out there. Oh wow. I didn't do a very good job of researching before I started, but like, Hey, yeah, you got tagged in this video that you did. I'm like, that's not me. And I didn't do that video. Yep. <laughs> so, but it's it's funny, um, but dude, I appreciate it. 
And, Absolutely. Uh, it's a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. I saw your calendar this summer, so I've, I'm already planning my next trip back. Yeah, come on, man. So I'll have more to do. i got a bunch of product stuff I'm doing next, and oh, it's ever-changing. So. I love it. It's fun. It's 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 always – it's there's never boring. I promise that. Yeah. Well, you and uh, Redneck Tech Podcast will definitely always have a, you know, a special place in our hearts because when we got started uh, – you know, found out about you after you did the filming podcast with John Dudley, mm-hmm. and we've been, you know, a faithful follower since. Yeah. And uh, going to see Dud you know, in this month. You've uh, you've supported us and helped us and taught us so much. Well, I appreciate really, it, man. Yep, really appreciate it. Thank you for coming, dude. <laughs>